Space Castle, our clubhouse and yours for all things nerdy. My name's Alex. I'm DT. And I'm Seth. Guys, I want you to imagine something for me, and it's going to be a little uncomfortable, right? I want you to, to picture yourself, whatever the most awkward stage of your life was, maybe it was like 12 or 13, maybe it was like 20, 21, but just... Maybe my uh, late 30s. Maybe your late 30s. You're sitting around <laughs> a table with your friends, people that you love and admire, and they all start talking about something that you completely ignored in your younger years. And I'm talking about that like pop culture phenomenon that you just completely missed, like a fandom that everyone got into that you just didn't. Mm, interesting. Because I've been thinking about this a lot and and like, you know, I, I have examples of this all over the board, but I got into a lot of the popular stuff just by nature of being a part of community. But there are so many of those little, you know, really popular and or sort of obscure but everybody was into it fandoms that I just completely missed. Tell me about it. What you got? What is what you're sitting there? What is it that they're talking about that you're like nodding your head going, oh, yeah, uh-huh, totally. Yep. Yeah, that was a great episode. Uh, what? Uh, hmm. I'm going to go first. I'm probably going to trump both of you guys with my uh, with my answer. But here we go. Starting off with the biggest one. Mine was Harry Potter. Uh, how? Yep. yep, I know. I know. I mean, I was... I mean, the first book came out in 1997, and somehow, some way, I had no idea they even existed until the first film came out in 2001. And I, I must have been, I think it was like 17 or 18 at that point. I was like a junior in high school, maybe a, a senior. And I was almost just a little bit too old for it, so it never really grabbed my attention. And I just never got interested or curious enough with all the phenomena going on to take a look. And oh, I, I, I just, I just never ever experienced Harry Potter as it was in its peak popularity. Like even when the movies came out, so you weren't into the books. You, and well, they were a little under your reading level. That makes sense. There were a lot under. Your well, we've level. established in previous episodes that I'm illiterate, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then when uh, the movies came out. Yeah, it, it just, just didn't land. It just, I mean, it just didn't land for me. Uh, once they came out, I, I obviously, I went about finding out what the fuck these movies were about. And it was just like a series of children's novels, which grew into a series of uh, young adult novels because, you know, the age group that was reading the books grew along with the characters. But at that point, like it was it was already I was just slightly too old for it. Um, There were other fantasy movies out there. I don't know if anybody's familiar with a series called Lord of the Rings. It became kind of popular (laughs) in the early 2000s. And that kind of grabbed my attention. And then there was the Star Wars prequels. And there just wasn't room for me to like discover and become invested in an eight-year-old wizard you do sorry well he was 11 when they started but i'll yeah, forgive you for well, that come on <laughs> <laughs> i was on the other end of the spectrum for that i was like a super fan but i was exactly the target audience i was like uh eight when i first started reading the books and they had uh the i think the third one fourth one hadn't come out yet um, but i was in the third grade and it was it i think it was because it was like such a big part of my school community like there I am in the third grade and we've got Mrs. Lively, my awesome third grade teacher, and she's encouraging us all to read. And mm-hmm. all the cool kids were reading Harry Potter. And I, at that time, because of all of the controversy around the books, uh, I had to get a permission slip signed in order to start reading them. So I had to go back home and I hand my mom this permission slip that my third grade teacher literally wrote on notebook paper. And had a little line that said, I give permission for Alex to read Sorcerer's Stone. And my mom looks at me like, and this is a, this is a woman who has like had no qualms about anything whatsoever before me picking up a book. Like, uh, you know, we've got relatives who have explored Wicca and, and all of that. So she's never like batted an eye at it, but she's looking at me like, why do I have to have my third grader 
I would have to give him permission to read this book that apparently is pretty widespread. <laughs> so she had to actually get on the phone with my third grade teacher for me to read them. And it never ended after that. I was I was hooked. I was a huge Harry Potter fan. In college, I took a class called Rereading Harry Potter. Interesting. Where I wrote articles every day on different factors of the book and people's commentary on their various social themes, which was wild. That is singularly the most Alex thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, everybody's <laughs> like, oh, Alex, you, you got to have this super fun pop culture class. Yeah, sure. In eighth grade, I did we did The Lord of the Rings. But in college, I took rereading Harry Potter and we wrote papers on like neo-Marxist principles, cultural hegemony, <laughs> uh, you know, cultural hegemony in Harry Potter, you know, the the classism that's represented by house elves and things like that like that seems even lot. more nerdy than people who take college courses on learning how to speak klingon it, it's <laughs> just it's, it's klingon there. is a full language it's <laughs> up like, it's up on. there i mean we it was a it was a freshman seminar they're like okay alex you need an elective and you can basically take anything but it needs to be something that has like liberal arts credit so it's one of these like 25 random classes that just like the professors that had a little bit of leeway with the university could pick out. And I was like, are you kidding me? There's one on Harry Potter. <laughs> so before I'm signing up for my super important, like, uh, you know, lit classes and science classes, I'm in there immediately signing up for this elective freshman seminar. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Math. Yes. Math. Sure. Uh, what about the Harry Potter class? Is it full? Can I get it in there? <laughs> Back to task here. I mean, I was on the other end of that spectrum, like I fully into Harry Potter. I don't know how you could avoid. I mean, it was it was parties, it was it was like online discussion. I would go to the library when I was little and like get on the forums and like chat with people about theories for the later books. Holy shit! That's Do you hardcore, guys remember? Man. Yeah. When you could just go and get on the forums as a child and it would be fine. It would be fine. Yeah. It was a safe space. <laughs> it, was a, it was a safe place to speculate on horcruxes. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. This this is actually about Harry Potter, mom. It's for like, I don't know what else it could be. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Seth, Seth you, you probably, it seems like you're maybe middle ground because I'm realizing now that I'm on the extreme. No, um, you, I think you are on the extreme, but I... Uh, I had a similar, like, first book story to you where I read it in school. Um, I think it was fourth grade for me. It doesn't matter. My memory's not good enough to have a definitive answer for that. <laughs> it was uh, in there sometime. <laughs> somewhere in there. I don't think I needed a permission slip, but it was kind of a permissions needed sort of thing. Uh, but read the first book, and then I was there for, like, my mom was always super encouraging for me to read. Uh, so we were there for the release, like midnight sometimes, but definitely release day release of every book following that one. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, isn't that wild? I was, it. you know, what's interesting is it set me up later in life for like being patient on waiting for the next iteration of a new content to be dropped. New episodes of Mandalorian, new Star Wars movie. Waiting for those books of Game of Thrones that are never going to fucking happen. <laughs> What's interesting is waiting for the next Harry Potter book, I think, really made me a more patient human being <laughs> overall, which is fat. That's fascinating. Surprise. I'm going to say fascinating 36 more times in this episode. Everybody take a drink whenever Seth says fascinating. Have fun. Oh, yes. Rest in peace because you're going to get alcohol <laughs> yeah, poisoning. Yeah. Watch our audience drop. It's wild. I mean, I guess, I guess looking at it from DT's perspective, it's like, oh yeah, at that stage, you're just not into reading about magic teenagers at a British boarding school. Like I kind of get it. But for me, I'm like, this was definitive for like, you know, many moments in my life. And when the books were coming out, it was like, I needed, I needed to know what was happening. I like had to know the yeah. next story. I read, I read them on long car rides. I reread them so many times. And then when like the seventh book was coming out, I remember we were headed to Vegas and our car broke down in Kingman and I was devastated <laughs> because we were, we were headed there and I was going to get dropped off at the Barnes and Noble on like Rainbow Boulevard and do the whole release party thing. And like, just like, oh. you know, do the whole song and dance. So we broke down in Kingman and uh, at midnight we went into like a Walmart because it ended up just being a battery. And they got a replacement for the battery 
and I, I'm like walking down the the halls like dejected and then the lady just like unveils a giant stack of the seventh book and I found out later that in Barnes and Noble Rainbow Boulevard there are hundreds almost thousands of people there waiting for their books so it took them two and a half three hours to get it and so I got my book and some fancy like swag for the release of the latest and final Harry Potter book and I was reading it in the car five minutes later and those I don't I just remember these things vividly because it was so important in my life. In the next three days yeah. I finished the book in a closet in a house in Vegas because I didn't know anybody there and my, my parents were there to meet with their their friends and my sister was there to meet with her friend and I, I didn't have any friends there, so I just read my book. Was it a closet under the stairs? It wasn't under the stairs, it was over the stairs. In an em- oh. empty soon to be scrapbooking room that the <laughs> family friends had just moved into. So I still have not read any of the books. Uh, I have seen, I saw all seven movies on HBO. Well, there are eight. Uh, not, oh, that's right, because they split the last one into two parts for more money. Uh, mm-hmm. So, right, yeah. So I have seen all the movies. I saw them, I must have been like 30 or 31 when I just like watched all of them. I was like, all right, you know what? I got like a week off of work. I've, I've not seen any of these. I'm just going to blow through them and see if I can figure out for myself why they were big and huge and whatnot and just only having been exposed to the movies and not the books i i am positive i did not get the full impact because i feel like and they got better as they went along being more complete experiences but the early movies are almost like a, like a cliff's notes or like a highlights of what i imagine the books are mm-hmm. so i think even if i'd gotten into the movies when the movies started coming out i think without having read the books i think it still probably would have just missed the mark with me it's entirely possible what's of all the movies that you could have seen and and felt that way, Harry Potter is among the best. Like we've talked about it before, Harry Potter is an amazing example of a book to film adaptation where they got most of the highlights. Like it is kind of a Cliff's Notes version. Like you don't f- you could only watch the the films and understand the books. Like you don't you need get the to story, read the books yeah. because you're missing things obviously like you are in any film to book, but you get the story, you get what it is, and if you feel like you probably still would have missed it, you you're probably right. Yeah, they didn't feel like disjointed messes. I didn't feel like I was watching like a just a montage of things just happening, mm-hmm. but there wasn't as much connective tissue. And I think, like I said, the later movies get much much better about it, but the early ones, it, it felt like they were assuming you'd read the books because they knew that their target audience had read the books. Yeah. So they felt less inclined to include a lot of that connective tissue. So that kind of threw me off too. Yeah. So I, I don't love like the first two or three movies. I actually did enjoy quite a bit like the, the last like three or four. So yeah. And the expanded stuff, I imagine you didn't really visit. Um, Not the, at all. The Grindelwald. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Nope, zero. It makes sense. I mean, a lot of Harry Potter fans fell off when, you know, it was like, all right, this is just a money grab now. So... Uh, that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, like Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yep. Zero interest. <laughs> yeah. I watched it just because I really like Eddie Redmayne. And he's okay in it. He plays a good character. But the story is not that interesting. And I'm kind of over the Harry Potter world at this point. So. Yeah. Ready to move on. It's it's now it's now the, the thing we're trying to grab the younger generation again. And still keep it kind of dark so that the original fans stay along but it's it's hard because everybody's kind of moving on we're uh we're growing up getting jobs having kids anyway seth what's your thing moving on yeah let's move on what's your thing the things that i missed out on or that passed me by as a child or early adolescent were almost entirely music um the hip-hop pop music boy bands uh, girl bands, most of the music scene that happened in the 90s and early 2000s, I completely missed. Um, like, yeah, I, I wasn't aware of, like, the Backstreet Boys or the Spice Girls or, you know. Well, I'm going to say with Backstreet Boys, you didn't miss out much, but <laughs> five really attractive British women dancing around in skimpy clothes and singing – you missed out, my dude, especially when you were in puberty. <laughs> so I, I'm aware. I have, like, I know of, uh, you know, 
Destiny's Child and a lot of this this stuff that happened in the 90s, but it passed me by at the time completely. I was my parents were into 60s pop, so I listened to Beach Boys, the yeah, Beatles, and the Beach Boys and stuff. And then when I stopped listening to that, I jumped pretty instantly into metal and was just mm. out of the pop culture music scene entirely. So I missed most of the nine late 90s early 2000s music with the exception of like blink 182 or nirvana in the early 90s like stuff like that um i was still kind of happened to me at, like at the time but most of the music scene passed me completely by okay so i i'm sure there's a lot you are aware of and did listen to um like like the grunge movement pearl jam stone temple pilots soundgarden all those you you, you kind of rage against a machine some of those you can't avoid even if you're actively trying to avoid them but let me just say for your identification that largely pop music in the late 90s early 2000s was fucking trash it's terrible <laughs> you had like your limp biscuits and your smash mouth and your sugar ray and it was all it was it was beyond disposable just yeah. just garbage so don't feel too bad, but I'm sure you hit the cor- the cor- the like the cornerstones, like the important stuff. And I definitely have. Um, and that's that's kind of the thing is like I think the the pop music is trash idea came out of that era in pop music. Just for the record, I don't think all pop music is trash. I, I'm a big fan of largely pop music in general, but that particular point in time was just very obnoxious and very disposable and, and incredibly shallow. More than maybe any other era in pop music. And we've gotten better about it since then, thank goodness. But Oh, yeah. Pop music now is great. I'm a huge T-Swift fan. And a lot of people are like, oh, she's super popular music. And like hate her because she's at the top or whatever. T-Swift was great. Like she makes good music. I don't know what anybody complains about. I fucking love Justin Timberlake. Yeah. And right now I'm hooked on Dua Lipa. Like Dua Lipa is fucking amazing. Yeah. Pop music has definitely come around the bell curve in my opinion. Yeah. Well, and it's also that it's, I think the taste of... Uh, you know, listeners at large is a little bit more diverse. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're getting some of the like people who like pop music. That's the Billie Eilish kind of thing, and then others who are into the more upbeat dance music. Or um, you know, a lot. It's a it's just a lot more diverse, which is great. I think that's awesome. And it, it's yeah. not the same four or five chords played in different arrangements with uh, somebody sort of crooning over it. And you can argue that with uh, many genres of music. But I I had a similar thing as as you said. That's like. I didn't, I mean, I listened to all the pop music in the nineties and, and early two thousands, but I, I spent so long early on just telling everybody and myself that I only liked rock music and that was it. Like I wasn't into anything else other than what I was re- like hair metal and whatever I was raised on. It's so like I had to do all the eighties thing because that's what my family listened to. Even my extended family it was like, I, I, to this day could still like hold up in like 80s music trivia because I just listened to it so much and not just 80s pop, like 80s rock specifically. I think it's interesting that I think all three of us kind of kind of just largely ignored or just actively really disliked the pop music of our youth. But now that we're getting older, we're actually more receptive to it and more interested in it. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that pop music has had to evolve and be, become more sophisticated. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like when we were all kids, like we had like Total Request Live, we had MTV, which is wildly popular. And it was really, really easy for record labels to to push whatever they wanted, like the most easiest to produce, the most like lowest common denominator music out there. And now that none of that exists and people are having to kind of discover music for themselves, you still got the radio, but radio is probably not nearly as popular as it as like something like Spotify or iTunes or something. So people are discovering music on their own and pop music has had to become better by default just to attract those listeners. So I think it's super interesting. And I think it's it's interesting that we all grew up in that, that era where maybe we've seen the last wave of truly disposable and, and mostly worthless <laughs> pop music because hey. now it's had to become better. It's had to become more engaging and better produced and just a better product overall because it has to get itself noticed. It's not easy anymore. You can't just be spoon fed it. Surprise, surprise. Millennials have been a part of yet another generation defining change. Who could have <laughs> seen it coming? Hey, what's <laughs> up? Yeah, no, I, the, I think for me, it's like, a, it's like a social and cultural thing too. Like we've, I think we've evolved in that sense. I think it's something that's, that's good. That's come out of this next generation, or at least the millennial generation is that we don't, 
for, for the longest time, it was like you were defined by the type of music that you listen to that you like. And now it's okay to be a T-Swift fan and listen to death metal. Yeah. You know, like you can, that's, that's cool now. But back in the day, it's like you were defined by, do you wear a Pantera t-shirt to school? Like, are you the, are you the person that's listening to, to the top 40? Like that was, even when I was in high school, that was a, a thing, even in college a little bit. Like and now I think it's changing. Like sure, a little bit, you know, there, there are still stigmas, but I think, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, we've talked about it before, but it's like, it's not cool to tell people that what they're listening to or what sort of media they're ingesting is wrong. Right. Which I, that, I love that about what's changed recently. I think what's so cool is I was definitely in high school. I was a complete metalhead, right? And what's so cool to me about that time in my life was I defined myself a lot by being part of the counterculture, the subculture that was metal, right? Like mm-hmm. metal has been since its inception. However, I don't know. I can't speak to like early metal stuff, but like 2000s era and later metal has been the we are part of the subculture, but we are definitely not going to shit on people who like their popular stuff. Like, it's been so unbelievably accepting. And I, I'll preach how great people who listen to metal are in general. The metal community is fucking amazing. Absolutely top notch. Like uh, we, we, like you said before, we've mentioned before on this podcast where nine times out of ten, nine point nine 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 times out of ten, you see the metalhead wearing the fucking fucking Gorgoroth t-shirt with like the fucking spiked gauntlet and wearing the combat boots and that's going to be the first person who's going to strike up a conversation with you and be one of the nicest people you've ever met the the person who you see jump out of their apartment doorway and help the old lady into her house with groceries will probably have a metal shirt on like (laughs) like it's been it's it was so accepting it was so cool about my being a part of that was i i defined myself as being counterculture like i was a part of that I really did define myself on the stuff that I didn't listen to back then, but it wasn't because that was like, it wasn't out of like any sort of malice or like hipsterism or like, I listen to shit you couldn't handle or whatever. Uh, It was like, I I like this stuff and you like your stuff and I just don't like that stuff. That's fine. Like it, it, and what I think that has made it. So now that I am trying to catch up on like the Backstreet Boys or whatever, like six years ago or eight years ago when I was like, what? What actually is up with the Backstreet Boys? Like, what was that all of fucking about? I, I didn't come into it like, oh, boy bands fucking suck. <laughs> I came in like, I came in was like, oh, what? Like, boy bands were massive, and I'm interested to know why. No, I get it. Yeah, Alex, what is uh, what is your pop culture phenomenon that just kind of passed you by, just went right over or or the side of your head, and you just missed out? For someone that was really into you know, Saturday morning cartoons, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! I watched all those shows. Like, I I even watched uh, Inuyasha and some of the more, like, anime-heavy shows, but I, I fully missed Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball Z was something that was super popular with many of my friends growing up, and even, like, in extended groups, family members of mine would, like, give me DVDs of Dragon Ball Z and, like, hey, you've got to catch up on this. And, I just wasn't into it. I missed it. Missed me completely. Oh man! Hmm. And I'm the complete opposite. I was in. I'm am into Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z like you were into Harry Potter. I was fucking into it. In fact, <laughs> the the very first VHS tapes I bought for myself with my own allowance money was two VHS tapes I found used. One was uh, the movie Out Cold with Zach Galifianakis. I still have that VHS for some dumbass fucking reason. Oh, that's um, amazing. And two was the Frieza saga on VHS. Wow. Uh, yeah, the, I bought them at the same time, and it was great. And I still, I actually still enjoy Out Cold, even though it's a real dumb fucking movie. So I've been a huge Dragon Ball Z fan, and I would love to talk to you about it. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. The concept for it, it was interesting to me. It's like, okay, you're, I, cause I, I love the stories of like, okay, you've got to go and collect these things and there's clues here and there and you've got to battle your way through it. All right, sure. I, I, I'm into that sort of story type. I remember watching Dragon Ball Z episodes cause I saw a couple after some of my favorite shows were on thinking like, I am so lost. I have no idea what the hell is happening. <laughs> there are probably 30 characters in here. They're all aliens and look different and distinct, but some of them look very similar. 
and they all have their own interpersonal dynamics i have no mm -hmm. i know nothing about and I, I remember mentioning this to one of my relatives uh, my aunt who was really into dragon ball and she was like okay you're i'm gonna give you this dvd and this was at the time that dvds had just come out I, th I may have had my Xbox was like my own first personal DVD player. I could, like, Damn. I could use that. And, and she was like, yeah, I do this. And I remember um, well, one of the DVDs was scratched up. So I missed out on part of it. But the first one I was able to watch, I was like, oh, this is supposed to be the intro. And I'm fully lost. I have no idea what the hell is going on. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm never a person that's like hating on the stories where you just dropped into the middle of it. You know, because I think mm -hmm. I'm, I'm one of the proponents of those people that's like, yeah, in storytelling and screenwriting classes, they teach you this where you, you come in as late as you can and then you leave as early as you can without sacrificing the integrity of your story. And I've never had an issue with that. But with this, I was just like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. Like, why am I, <laughs> why am I paying attention? Why am I spending my time here? The real interesting thing about a lot of anime is that it is a long form content it's super it's soap operas so you hopped into dragon ball z and you were already lost because you missed dragon ball which happened in the 80s and it was like a hundred episodes of story that led into dragon ball z which you wouldn't have no way of knowing no yeah no clue well and this is the thing is i found somebody who was a fan of this particular ip this fandom and this is what they gave to introduce me to it and I've, I've seen that happen with other fandoms before where it's like, all right, well, all right, Doctor Who, you should really start in like, you know, later seasons, because if you start from the beginning, you're really not going to enjoy it. But, you know, if you start at X point, I've heard people say that about like Game of Thrones. I've heard people talk about that with many other IP, which is just wild to me. But I, I kind of get it a little bit, you know, in this instance, it's like, yeah, that might have been the first one that was palatable. But I still have no idea what's going on, and I'm a I'm a person who's ingesting media that needs to know all of the information. I need to know all the characters and the their interplay. Yeah, Dragon Ball. Like I I, I kind of missed the whole anime thing in general growing up. Um, but Dragon Ball in particular is very very episodic. Uh, it's based on a manga, so people grew up in the '80s reading the mangas when they came out. And for me, Dragon Ball, I'm in the same boat as Alex's where I kind of feel like it requires a whole lot of commitment. It would be like if somebody took like the entire catalog of like the amazing Spider-Man and made like an animated series because it's so lengthy and there's so many volumes of the comic that the, the TV show is based on. You'd have to commit to starting from the beginning and go from that point on. Like there is like, you've got your, your the odd comic book. You can, you can pick up from the store. You can read it and you'll be fine with the self-contained story. Manga are very, very different in that it is one long continuous story and you can't pick up issue 69 and be like, okay, I'm into this now. Because you have no idea what's been going on because it's it's very, 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 uh, it's linear storytelling. Like there's no pick up and play. And that happened with the TV series too. And I watched the odd episode because a lot of my friends in high school were in anime and Dragon Ball in particular. And it was somewhat easily accessible because they had episodes every afternoon after school on Toonami. But for me, that episodic nature of it, that like it's become like a trope and like a cliche thing to say now, but there are full episodes where there's just two characters screaming at the top of their lungs yeah. at each other. And then it's roll <laughs> credits. And it's like, okay, I just watched two guys scream at each other for 24 minutes with commercial breaks. What the fuck were they yelling about? Yeah. And, and then it's like, next <laughs> exactly. time on Dragon Ball Z. And I'm like, okay, yes. like there's, it's, it's too daunting. And it's, it's very, it's very intimidating to try and jump into it from any particular point. You have to start from the beginning. And I, I just, I, I never had the gumption or the desire to do it. I'm not a huge fan of episodic storytelling in general. I like my self-contained movies and I don't like the fact that I can't just consume it and be happy with what I've gotten. I have to go back and go through the entire catalog, but yeah. What's, what's fascinating drink. And I think anime, <laughs> they kind of operate like a freeway system where there are several on-ramps and off-ramps, but you can't just hop in and hop out whenever you want to, like you're on side streets. And that's kind of what you see. I think, personally, I think Dragon Ball does that best over all the other ones that do, because they have, like, they've split 
their narrative stories into a lot of good sections both you have like dragon ball which is a a series and then that kind of ends and then you have dragon ball z and then you have like dragon ball super and dragon ball gt and stuff that are linear stories but they're kind of breakpoints where you can hop in there you can't hop in on episode 82 of dragon ball z but you can hop in at episode one of dragon ball z which is still in the middle of the larger story but is a good entry point um it's it's an on-ramp for you it's so intimidating though it totally is it's like okay dragon ball g the dragon ball gt and dragon ball z or whatever like you've got there's different, a lot it's I, I imagine it's similar for people who are like into uh really the pokemon anime for instance where it's yeah. like you know you've got your you know your first generation second generation and a lot of people fell off after that and then you've now you've got people who are like all right well i've i've now secured 600 of the <laughs> available pokemon i'm like i don't remember when it was the original 151 i i, I the, the principle of the this is um media res i think i'm saying that right it's where you're, you're just jumping into the to the story in the middle and i i think that's fine i think you know if i were to pick an example of another anime cowboy bebop kind of does a similar thing it's not as long you know not as long lived but i loved cowboy bebop i thought the storytelling was amazing and you, it's the same kind of concept. You're just jumping into the bebop. You're jumping into the ship. You've got your characters. You've got Spike. You've got, you know, you've got Ed. You've got the characters there. And you don't really need, well, you don't get Ed until later. But you get my point. Like, you get the those characters very quickly. And you got to get a lot of backstory. But there are flashbacks that help you deal with that really quickly, really early on. Yeah. And then the, I think just the storytelling mechanics there are a lot more smooth. You know, you don't need to worry so much about... In the beginning, there was a guy, and he was a, he could be a Super Saiyan. I'm, obviously, I'm I'm showing my hand here. I like I still haven't dipped into Dragon Ball because it's still very intimidating to me, and I and I spend more time reading these days. Though. To DT and and your now point is, uh, Dragon Ball does a thing that I've never seen any other anime do. And that is they do kind of re-edited series. So there's a thing called Dragon Ball Kai, which is Dragon Ball Z, but abbreviated. It is, I think it's only 60 episodes, whereas the Dragon Ball Z story, yeah, whereas the Dragon Ball Z story is like 200 and change, where they, they kind of cut a lot of the charging up episodes and and things like that and like abbreviated the story to they like distilled it down into a less episodic and more digestible series Ah, that's so helpful and broken at the same time i know it's wild as shit please tell me you understand where i'm coming from because it's like oh okay it is absolutely buck wild we're gonna have plenty to say about this in future episodes but like you you were <laughs> trying to get into a fandom and it's like okay i will do the distilled version because that's going to give me the closest the fastest way to understand what's going on but then anybody that i try to talk to about it's going to be like oh what about that one obscure passage in that one obscure episode and then you're screwed like you don't know <laughs> you don't know what's going on but here's the here's the difference is uh, in kai they they distill it down but not too far it's not a cliff's notes version it's things like so there's an episode where um uh goku is charging up the spirit bomb and he has to let he has to gain or he has to get life force from like throughout the galaxy and there is a 25 minute sequence of him of just showing like life essence leaving from plants and stuff on different planets and and collecting into his ball and blah 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 like it's it's an entire episode basically of just this life essence making its way to his spirit bomb. That episode is almost entirely cut. It's basically him saying, I need the life essence of this fucking universe, which is what he says, showing the spirit bomb. And then it shows one clip of life essence leaving a plant and going to a spirit bomb. And that's it. There, You don't have a full episode of that shit happening anymore. You just get the thing that happened and then they move on that kind of stuff is what's cut out of kai which is why it's it's still it's distilled but it's not so far that you miss stuff like that i might just be spoiled by better storytelling but i'm sitting here going like okay maybe <laughs> here, it's terrible yeah you hear goku is pulling in the life essence from plants from extra planetary whatever and he's making a spirit bomb great well if that's going to be your whole episode give me some like interplay give me side arcs give me a b story like what what else is going on in the world it can't just be 
this is and, before. And, this all happened before B plots were like a thing. No, B plots have always been yeah. a thing. Not not in episode. Oh, okay. This is another anime. episode, but I'll anime argue and manga. That. That's not like a thing that happened at the time because they had to churn out episodes immediately every week because that's how fast the manga came out. You just you don't you yeah the storytelling was less complicated then. I'm about to be crucified by all Dragon Ball fans, but like why? <laughs> Like, how lazy is it that your entire episode is, I'm just going to pull energy from other life forms and make a spirit bomb? That's literally it's, someone went in and was like, uh, thing, what if though. we do that? And then they said, okay, so what else is happening in the episode? And they're like, uh, no. Here's the thing. <laughs> from a modern storytelling perspective, that seems boring. But at the time, it was so fucking hyped up. Like, I was incredibly hyped to be like, like fuck you, yeah, dude, pull all this energy. Like, let's fucking go. Wow. And, and like during broadcast during the time, it is exciting and it's interesting. But looking back on it, it's boring because okay, he just pulls the life energy and moves on. Like, why is this a whole episode? It it's a it's a a time thing. Like you had to be a part of it to be a part of it. If that makes sense. Dragon Ball is a series that I think would have benefited from binging before binging was an actual thing. Absolutely. I bet if you had the ability to watch an entire season of the show all at once on like Netflix or something back in the day it would probably play a whole lot better because like I said, like what Seth just said, there's a 25 minute long segment where a guy is just drawing energy for his energy weapon. And for me, like being 18 years old, 17 years old, trying to watch this shit to keep up with my friends, watching it on a daily basis on Toonami, I fell out of it because I was just fucking bored. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think that's, I'm going to make a different point here. I think that's why so many anime fans are, are so hardcore and so, like, they're almost, they almost define themselves by being weebs or whatever you want to call it. Is because <laughs> anime, when it first started becoming really popular here in the States, it required so much effort and so much commitment to watch it that I don't think there was any other way to, to be an anime fan than to be that committed to it and to, to, to spend that much time with it. That it becomes more than just a hobby. It becomes, like, something you're super, super into because... There's no other way to consume it. You had to be committed to watch all those fucking episodes of ah, for 24 fucking minutes. Like that's all there was to it. Like Dragon Ball Z has become a meme because it was the peak of that phenomenon. Like Dragon Ball right. as a series came out in the eighties and it's not like that at all. It's well-contained. It's a good story. It's well-paced, interesting all the way through. It's got B plots, the whole thing. Dragon Ball Z was just right at the peak of that style of anime, which is why it's become a meme. Yeah, anime in general has become better about being more serialized and less episodic, though. Yes. Like, you watch new series now, like I've been watching Demon Hunter, and for the most part, I've been enjoying it. A lot of what I don't enjoy in anime in general and why it never grabbed me as a kid is still there. Like, all the, the tropes and the exaggerated screaming and the, the all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's become much, much better about becoming full-fledged storylines instead of just one through line for the entire series. It's become more serialized. That's why... Yeah. Bebop, yeah, I think Cowboy Bebop is such a blueprint for people ask me like like what kind of anime do you like? Well, I like Miyazaki stuff and I like Cowboy Bebop because it's it's self-contained stories. Even the episodes of Cowboy Bebop, there's a through line, but every episode is a new adventure and it's self-contained and it's serialized as opposed to being episodic. You yeah. can watch any given episode of Cowboy Bebop and get a complete story out of it and fully enjoy it without having to know what happened in the previous five episodes. Yeah. Yeah, the the deterrent is this like economy of earned interest. Like you have to, oh, that was sounded complicated. You you have to sit there, <laughs> you have to sit there and like you get through the slog episodes that seemed they seem so cool. The the spirit bomb episode seems so cool for you, Seth, because you've you've experienced the cool nuance and the flavor text in other episodes. But if I don't do that and I don't spend the eight episodes that it takes to get there, then I'm just not going to be interested. in it. I remember exactly. having so many, so many conversations where it's like, oh yeah, did you ever, you know, are you into anime? And I'm like, oh, sure, I like anime, just certain types. You know, I, I've watched a couple episodes here and there. Like, oh, have you seen Sword Art Online? Yeah, I've seen Sword Art Online. Have you seen all like 15 seasons of One Piece? Did you watch Naruto? Like, no, I haven't. Like, I've, I've not dipped into that yet because it's, it's, it's intimidating. It's a lot. It's a lot to get into. But also just like, I... I don't want to have to spend so much time getting to a place where I think this is why Game of Thrones is unapproachable for some people. Not the show. I'm talking about the books specifically. 
because the books have really great character moments. There, there's a reason why George R. R. Martin was able to get this show made. Um, but there are really slow parts where you're going to slog through it. I mean, Dune is like this. I can think of other, other very popular, some people would call them staple novels. Wheel of Time, like one of the most quintessential fantasy series of all time. Most hardcore fans you talk to, they're like, yeah, really, you know, you know, books five through seven are kind of, eh, but you know, what? But man, book eight is like so good. It's like where everything comes together, and Robert Jordan really shows his craft and he shows his expertise. I'm like he's shown his expertise this entire time. I'm just, you know, you might not be interested for this this whole thing. All that to say, Dragon Ball passed me over, and I'm not really interested in revisiting. I I would push you to check out Dragon Ball the original. Um because it is very it it's different it's different beast the story's interesting and good and also it is just absolutely dripping with mid 80s anime style which is just gorgeous it is so it's such a joy to be a part of but dragon ball the original is is a very different story um it's much better contained and it's much easier to watch through and it's much much shorter <laughs> well i mean it's sure so if you if you want to take a, a stab at it I would go to Dragon Ball. Okay. Okay. See, now I'm being informed by somebody who is informed. I, you know, I think my tastes have changed enough that it's going to be even harder now to get into it. Like DT was mentioning with the serialization of these things. Like that's, that's why I think uh, Avatar The Last Airbender lands so well for so many people because there is a through line, as DT was saying with Cowboy Bebop, but every episode is self-contained and something interesting happens in each episode. And you get a feel for each character and their development. So you you are rewarded for sticking with it to see the character arc. But you can just still have fun in each episode by just like watching and seeing what fun, cool stuff Toph does, you know, in in whatever Earth Kingdom city they're in this time. Yeah. Plus there's comedy. And there's not a lot of comedy in the Dragon Ball series. Hmm. Which is like there is some, obviously, but it there's way more comedy in something like avatar which helps like the 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 slogginess is a lot easier to pass through when there's like a couple of shitty jokes in there it's like going on a date with me <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure our listeners would say this is oh this is apples to oranges you can't compare dragon ball and avatar the last airbender or whatever but i'm i'm just speaking structurally like i'm thinking about it from like this is why i think dragon ball passed me up but i don't, I don't know I'll have to think about it some more. I'll have to simmer on it. But you guys brought up some good points. So, Yeah, I, I think the things that we, we missed out on or, I don't know, somewhat deliberately missed out on were also very much products of their time. So I know a lot of, I mean, feel free to hit me up on, on our Twitter and scream and yell at me, Harry Potter fans and Smash Mouth fans <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and Dragon Ball fans. I will defend Smash Mouth's first album, Satellite. You're fucking banned from the podcast. It's gonna. Uh, it's the Alex no. and DT show from now on. <laughs> With the exception of uh, what is the their like main hit song? Some All Body. Yeah. Once. With the exception me. of that song, which is, I'm over completely. The rest of that first album was actually like pretty good. No, you're banned. Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. Anyway, the point I was coming to was the fact that the things that we missed out on, the things we're talking about today, are very much. They were popular for a reason in the exact span of time they were popular in. And again, those fandoms can can at me, bring it, I'm in. Let's 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 go to blows. <laughs> but I don't think going back and revisiting those things now in the times they're no longer cult, pop culture phenomenons would be nearly as rewarding or fulfilling if we were to examine them now from a you know a fresh pair of eyes. Yeah, it's or, definitely or not. I went back and listened to Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and Britney Spears and stuff to try and figure out what, you know, early 2000s pop culture was about. And it is bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which may be an indication that it was bad then, but like, I couldn't even understand why it was so popular at the time. So yeah. I, I don't think it's worth it to go back and try if you've missed the cultural phenomenon. So come and find us on uh, Space Castle at Space Castle Pod on Twitter. And we'd love to uh, argue with this, uh, with you about this. Yeah. yeah, argue publicly. politely. <laughs> yes, we'll have a debate. Let's call it a debate. Yes. We'll have a nice public civil debate where everybody and their mom can watch us argue over anime and Smash Mouth. Yeah. 
Guys, we've got a transmission from Earth. Are you guys oh. ready for a transmission oh. from Earth? Yes. Yes. It's uh, it, it's Bring it's it code red. It's highest priority. It's highest. Oh, shit. It's highest security clearance. Are you guys ready for this? I don't, wait, wait, I don't wait, know. Do wait. I? Do I have clearance to hear this? You have clearance to hear it. Only I have clearance to receive it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. All right, so this transmission this week, this comes from Wick Candle Company, W-I-C. Uh, it's a, it's, they're actually on Kickstarter right now trying to get funded to kick off their company. And what they are is uh, a completely 100% safe and organic candle company. All the candles are made with soy and coconut wax blends. So what that means is they're paraffin-free, they're lead-free because they use cotton wicks, they're phthalate-free, and I'm fully practiced on saying that word now. I'm good to go. Yeah, I practice a lot. It. They're carcinogenic and uh, petroleum-free, and they're scented with all natural fragrance oils. So what that means is you're going to get a beautiful-smelling candle that is also safe for you. It's safe for your pets. It's safe for your children, Alex. And it's also safe (laughs) for your home in general. What's awesome, what's really fucking dope about them is the fact that the larger candles actually come in cement containers, which are meant to be used after the candle has been used up as a planter. So it's a concrete container with a lid that can be flipped and uh, placed underneath to to catch any runoff from when you're watering your plants, but you can grow whatever you want. You can grow a nice house plant or flowers and whatnot. They're on Kickstarter right now. They're blowing through their goal. So what you want to do is get on Kickstarter right now and look them up. It's WIC, Wick Candles, because you want to lock in that introductory price for their campaign because these are going to be wildly popular and the price is inevitably going to go up. So Wick Candle does limited run fandom based candles. After the after this Kickstarter, they're gonna be doing limited run candles that are fandom based. For the Kickstarter, the first fandom is goddesses. And with that comes uh Freya, Artemis, Persephone, and Bastet. A wide range of, of goddesses based on the creator's own personal fandoms, and each scent is kind of themed around the, the goddess in question. What's cool is each candle has uh, individualized, custom, handmade, hand-drawn, or otherwise painted artwork from a small creator. They have individual art pieces that are attached to their labels. So there is Artemis art, there's Persephone art that serves as the candle label. So not only are you getting a cool vessel, but you're also getting a little piece of artwork as well, supporting a small artist and uh, supporting a small company. And it's also a company that wants to put something all natural and completely safe out there. And like I said, once the candle is used up, it's also a company that wants to promote growing something and and developing a hobby, developing your green thumb, bringing something beautiful and, and brightening up your house after the fact. It's, I mean, there's no reason not to support them. Cutting down on your waste too. If you if you're gonna burn a candle, uh, why bother throwing that planter away afterwards? You've got a a nice long lasting vessel that you can recycle. I'm excited to see these come out into the world. I know that at some point they're they're headed towards charitable contributions as well. This is a company that uh, I'm really looking forward to supporting. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's local artistry. It's green. It's healthy. It's charitable. It's an awesome company. Um, we wouldn't be talking about it if we didn't fully believe in this product and the people behind it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Wick Candle yeah. Company, W-I-C. Uh, Seth, do you know where they can find them on social media by chance? Yeah. So not only can you find them on Kickstarter by searching Wick Candle, you can go to wickcandlecompany.com, um, get all the links that you might need there. Uh, and that's also where the candles will be for sale after the Kickstarter is finished. Wick Candle Co. in some iteration on basically all social medias. It, you can search just Wick Candles and, and they, they pop right up. Yep, Wick underscore candle underscore company on Instagram. Yes. All right. And uh, I think Alex, in all of his uh, his absences out there being a father, I think he's in the meantime also done some deep space exploration. <laughs> Alex, what have, you, uh, what have you discovered in your travels that you'd like to share with us? I've done some figurative and in in fiction literal deep space exploration because what i wanted to talk to you guys about was andy weir's new novel project hail mary yeah Um, i'm you guys know i'm a big book nerd and no when you have when you have this extra time taking care of a screaming newborn in the middle of the morning slash night uh sometimes you want to maybe read a nice paperback um andy weir if you're unfamiliar is the guy who wrote the martian made into a movie starring Matt Damon and Jessica Chastain. And it's just fantastic. Um, great sci-fi directed by Ridley Scott. And then Artemis, his second novel was a 
not a follow-up to that. It was just a, a movie, a book about uh, a girl on a moon base and this sort of secret plot unfolding there. Uh, this this book is just great. I just wrapped it up. Um, I found it to be incredibly enjoyable. It's sort of a mashup of the ideas that you find in Interstellar and Arrival and The Martian. It reads kind of like The Martian. It's got all of that hard sci-fi stuff that Andy Weir is known for, uh, where he's talking about um, molecular level science and he's talking about um, space, obviously. But the concept is essentially that there's a man named Rylan Grace that wakes up in space with two of his uh, co-pilots dead and he doesn't know who he is, why he's there or what he's supposed to be doing. Been there, right? Yeah. <laughs> We've man. all been there. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely, it's a fantastic read. Definitely um, quick read too. I blazed through that book. And I highly recommend it. Yeah. I'm, I'm like 80% of the way through right now and it's just so good. It's very it's exactly what I like from, Andy Weir. It's the hard sci-fi, but it's it's a deeply personal hard science fiction, which is ex- like honestly very unique. I I've I've rarely read anything in a similar vein that has such like like loneliness about about the the science fiction. It's absolutely a, a amazing. The book is super great. I've been blasting through it as well, but I started later than you. Um it's hard to talk about without spoiling it. I don't, and I definitely don't. One, because I haven't finished, but two, I I am like viscerally opposed to spoilers. <laughs> like I just finished Falcon and Winter Soldier yesterday. No, yeah, yesterday, uh, and I had avoided spoilers on that for like I don't know three months or whatever it's been. Be like, I'm I have a hard line against spoilers, mm-hmm. so no spoilers in that. But Andy Weir wrote a wonderful book that i highly recommend you you blast through. even conceptually you know that's what i meant not necessarily like what happens in the end but the concept of it it's hard to oh yeah yeah guys i'm i'm completely illiterate i i have no idea an s from a q or an l <laughs> is it also available in audiobook form yeah i actually yeah. listened through uh, the book on audible and i i found it very enjoyable mm-hmm. i know the martian i also listened to on audible and uh, the narrators for both books excellent um it, this character has less of the sort of dry humor of Mark Watney um, or just flat out humor. I don't, wouldn't even necessarily call it dry. Uh, this character still has that same level of characterization. Mm-hmm. This is sort of in a different vein, but both are, as Seth indicated, sort of loneliness is a, is a theme and um, sort of being really witty and uh, survival is also a theme, you know? Yeah. What's interesting is in both of those books, uh, well, The Martian, uh, small spoiler, um, he that book spends a lot of time with Mark Watney actually literally alone. Um, what's interesting is Project Hail Mary spends less time with the main character being actually literally alone, but it still conveys the same level of loneliness, which is extremely interesting to me. I'm a huge fan of that like somber lonely sci-fi even if you're not actually literally alone it's a it's a super strange thing that i think andy weir's developing a structure based on these novels and i'd love mm-hmm. to, to to read more even if they're from andy weir it's sort of some people might say oh it's, it's a similar story again and again i want to read more of those because i think it's a yeah. fascinating story structure and i think if you broke down the beats for the martian and for project hail mary you'd find that a lot of them overlap wildly different stories but similar in structure so i don't know definitely check it out nice and definitely do it with audiobooks because like who actually has time to open a real book who has time to learn how to read (laughs) dude i have hundreds of books in my collection my library and i'm I'm still an audiobook person like i i consume most of my books via audio yeah you can have a theme day listen to your space castle pod listen to project hail mary makes sense yeah yeah absolutely you guys ready for a listener question? We've had a listener question. Hit yes. me with that listener question. Let's do it. Yeah? This one comes from Cynthia via the Gmail. Seth, what's Ooh. that Gmail? It is spacecastlepodcast at gmail.com. Bop, Thank bop, you, Seth. Bop. Nice. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you, Cynthia, as well. The question is, what would be your worst possible Patronus as a reference to like Harry Potter? 
Oh, that's um, what it's referencing. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> man, that's a good one. That's such a good question. There are so many terrible ones. That's a thing. Yeah, but Patronus is a is your tangible soul on display for everyone. Um, okay. Well, I have I have one that now that you put it in that that wording might be a little too close, and I'm worried to say it. Uh, <laughs> rip it. Right, I'll go first then. Just rip it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my Patronus, which would be an extension of my own soul and probably way too accurate and also completely fucking worthless, probably be a houseplant. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, like like what? Like the kind that falls from the sky and questions its own demise? No, no, like the one you forget to water every week. That's much worse. I had this vision of like Piranha Plant from Super Smash. I don't know why. <laughs> you see, no, I'm not nearly active or cool enough for a, a Piranha Plant Patronus. No, it's it's just your typical fern that would just like sit there. Yeah. Nah, dude, you're you're <laughs> at least a flowering house plant. Alex, what you got? It's not like what would yours what would yours be? The absolute worst one would be like a slug or something. Like you, oh. you, you. No, 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 no. The absolute worst one. Would be a twenty-six-year-old accounting intern named Craig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I d- Mr. Dementor, please. Uh, I'm going to need to see those reports. <laughs> Actually, that might be dope because, like, because your Patronus could like put the fear of your enemy about being audited, and there's nothing <laughs> fucking scarier than that. You're just imagining this, like, this, this like pocket protector wearing. Like, what if? You don't need a Patronus. Just get an actual accounting intern named Craig who doesn't have a soul for the Dementor to suck out. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you summon your Patronus and your Patronus is like, well, uh, it looks like you've got a lot of business expenses. Do you want to itemize your deductions? And then you just very casually walk away while your fucking enemy is just like tied up forever. <laughs> Dementor's just like, uh, no, let's steer clear. <laughs> Uh, how do business taxes work again? <laughs> the Dementor's like, no, just standard deductions, and now it's time to die. <laughs> now, it's, now it's time to die. Here's the kiss of death. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, sorry, it's ineffective on me. <laughs> I have no happy thoughts. So. <laughs> the Dementor's like, actually, we've been evading taxes since 1918, so goodbye. <laughs> We're out. <laughs> Alex, tell me you've got one worse than that. I don't know if I've got one worse than Craig, the accounting intern. That's pretty bad. I mean, it's, it's not even it's actual in like actual accountant. He's an intern. It's so. yeah, obvious. You if you pick the worst one, that's actually good. <laughs> <laughs> that's my brand, man. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like what's the worst worst animal, like a proper animal, Patronus. Yeah, I know it would be some some sort of a panda useless insect probably. A panda would still because a panda when you piss a panda off can do some some you know aggressive things. Have you ever seen a pissed off panda? No, I I, I have in Tekken, um, and that's about <laughs> it. That's true. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, pandas about. like they can barely get up and like move away to go urinate. Like they just they just li- like lounge about, fucking eat bamboo, and just roll around in the grass. Like I have seen more than a few pandas fall out of trees and they're just fine so <laughs> i think they're also indestructible which would be incredibly useful i just think pandas eat whatever's around them so they just like oh there's a dementor let me try to eat it <laughs> <laughs> the food they eat this is how worthless pandas are and i fucking love them like bamboo has virtually no nutritional value at all and they have to eat so goddamn fucking much of it just to get the nutrients they need that they're so goddamn full and lethargic all the time that they literally just can't even get up and walk around. Like literally all they do is eat because they're so dumb. They eat a food that does nothing for them. You're right. They're they're a, they're the perfect Patronus. They're amazing. Yeah. This seems like a college humor sketch. Like expect a expect a Patronum and then here's a sleeping panda that's just on the ground. Like <laughs> Fred, get up. You're like nudging it. It's like. Arr. <laughs> it gives you the wave off like no way here's my three-toed sloth that's asleep just on the ground uh, thank you very much to Cynthia for sending that in Seth tell the people how they can send in their own questions <laughs> well like I mentioned you could go to uh, at spacecastlepodcast at gmail.com which is what Cynthia did you can also find us on twitter at spacecastlepod uh, which we're doing some cool stuff over there we got polls 
we're riffing on all kinds of dumb shit like you might expect from three chuckle fucks that you just listened to <laughs> um, <laughs> what a great word it's, it's good stuff it's a good follow i gotta be honest with you that'll do it for this episode of space castle as always thank you guys for listening it is your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy i have been dt i've been alex and i have most certainly not been a 26 year old accounting intern named craig who have you been you know, I ask myself that like a lot, actually. <laughs> Here comes the existential question again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>